Take your Bibles and turn to, we're going to turn to a different thing. If you came to uh, Catalyst this morning, hopefully you're learning about the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Now this sermon is something that I believe just about everyone that's been in church for any short period of time could preach this sermon this morning. So I'm not going to give you something that's just a monster revelation. You go, wow, I didn't know that. Unless you don't know it, okay? If you don't know it, then you won't know it. But if you come to church for any period of time, you should know this. Now, knowing and doing is two different things. Would you agree? Your children usually know what your rules are in your house. Do they always do them? No, that's what belts and switches are for, right? Uh, some of y'all new generation don't know anything about that. Y'all just like, what? Don't touch a child. You might harm their psyche. Hey, I'll harm your psyche and your rear end at my house, right? Uh, because if you get out of line, that's, the Bible says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction drives it where? Far from them. That's biblical, right? That's what God says. So, listen, we do have a lot to pray for and to be thankful for. I do have to bring it to our attention because I believe the Scripture is relevant for today's news. Did y'all hear this week that our beautiful state of South Carolina, Supreme Court, has ruled that abortion is legal in South Carolina? What a shame and what a blight on the 50 states of the United States of America that South Carolina, Supreme Court, would rule 3-2 to that a woman has a right to an abortion in the state of South Carolina. Let me tell you this, and I'll leave it alone. The judgment of God is coming to South Carolina. Watch and see. It's already here. He's coming. He's judging. But when we make decisions like this as leadership and as rulers, judgment is coming. It's at our door. No longer is it knocking. It's here. And watch and see. If you don't see, start seeing devastating things in South Carolina, we, we can't explain. We now will receive other states to have their abortions here. Isn't it amazing to think about the state of South Carolina? What a terrible state, not S, capital S-T-A-T, but what a terrible state of union it is for the state of South Carolina. It's a, it's a sad day. I was very devastated this week, and, and I, I told people in prayer this morning, do you know whose fault it is? It's the church's fault because we were quiet. We were sleeping when we, we were awakened and said, hey, do something, do something. And when our legislators and senators had a chance to do it, I want to ask you to raise your hand who called, but I begged you to call that we would not have this state of abortion in our state. And I would dare say less than 5% of our church made an effort to call their senator or representative in, in, in any way, at the federal or state level. And, you know, that's, it's our fault. We know better. We're the ones, we're the torch lighters, and we're the, we're the watchmen on the wall, and we let the blood of innocent babies bleed in South Carolina, and it's on us. It's on us. So we're going to have to own it. Don't, don't gripe and complain when God brings judgment because judgment is at our doorstep. Amen? That's not, a, that's not a happy one, but that is an amen. If you don't agree with that, you need to go back and read your Bible. I'm going back and reading the Old Testament right now, and like God is just saying, I'm tired of you living and following pagans. I'm tired of idol worship, and I'm tired of you giving your babies to the God of Moloch, that, Moloch that actually sacrifices and burns babies. That's abortion. That's killing babies. And infanticide is coming. And listen, senior adult assisted suicide, I guarantee you, will be the next thing that comes in our door, and we as a church will look the other way. And say, oh, what terrible times we live in. And it's on our hands. All right? So when you sing, wherever, I lead, wherever he leads, I'll go, you better get ready to go to your next door neighbor and tell him about the love of Jesus Christ. So this message today is very simple, but not simplistic, because it's from God. It's God's eternal, unfathomable knowledge and wisdom that comes from God, how he set this plan up. And we go, if I had to do it, I wouldn't do it this way. But God's not us, right? Isaiah said, his ways are higher than our ways, says the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read the scriptures and we're going to expound just a little bit on the scriptures because we need to actually make application when we leave today. 
And if you leave church every Sunday, there should be something that you're challenged by that you should actually do. It's not just come and hear a song, come and hear a prayer, come and hear a message, come to feel good, come to meet somebody. It should be come to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he leaves, lets you leave equipped so that you will go do a job this week that he has equipped you to do. And we're going to be equipped through the Word of God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning of verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, meaning you didn't believe at all. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. How, church? According to the scriptures, meaning it was prophetically said, it was prophetically written down that Christ would die for our sins. That's what the Bible's very clear talking about. Paul is emphasizing this in verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. How, church? According to the scriptures. So where do we get our marching orders from? The Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves us to read the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Scriptures through the power of the Holy Spirit moves us to actually obey God. Verse 5, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he is, was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. But just really a quick recap before we continue. What was Peter's job before being called as an apostle of God? He was what? He was in the business of fishing. He was a businessman who was a fisherman, right? He had to do both because you had to, they counted their fish. We'll see that coming up shortly when they get this miraculous catch coming up at the end of the book of John. They get this big catch, and guess what they do? They count them. And you count your fish because you know how much fish you're going to actually sell, so therefore you know how much money you'll have for the next net or the next boat or the next whatever you're going to do to expand. So they were businessmen and fishermen. What was Matthew's job before he actually was called as an apostle? He was a tax collector. We know that we know what he was. He was like us. He did jobs that we do in society. These men were common men, nothing, no kings and no princes. These were common people who God called out to say, I want you to go. And that's why I say it's so dangerous to sing that song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. He takes the common people, he takes the average person out there and says, Listen, I want you to do something very special. And the first response usually is, God, I can't. And by the way, that's the proper response. Did you know that? proper response is if God calls you to do something, it's impossible for you to do. If it's something that you come up and you can just do it, everyone can do it, uh, then it's not a calling of God directly. God is not going to give you something, just an easy task. But also Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tells you he has called you out that you might be saved and he's called you out to do a specific work that only you can do. Only you can do the work that he's called you to do. You've been gifted in such a way. You might have the same gift as I have, but you've been gifted in such a way to do what only you can do. Matthew could only do what Matthew could do. Was Matthew different than Peter? Was Peter different than James? Go down the list and pick somebody out of the Bible and say, listen, how many burning bushes were there in the Bible? We have recorded of one burning bush, right? How many great fish swallowing prophets? 
We only have record of one. We have encounters with donkeys and roosters. We have all these different things happening in the Bible, and it's for that unique person with that unique personality. The stronger will that God made you seems to be the stronger the test is that he has to break you, right? If he makes you strong, he usually has to break you wrong, right? Really hard because uh, you've been up, so he, he made you really tight in your mother's womb, and when you came out, you were strong, strong-willed about everything. If you don't think you're strong-willed, ask somebody who knows you well, Right? I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many of y'all are, you would be considered a mouthy woman? Anybody? Anybody a braggadocious man? You, 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 just, you just brag off about everything. Look how good I am. I'm awesome. Don't, you don't have to raise your hand. Uh, don't point like this. I can see y'all, all right? And so we, get, we can get all these uh, descriptive words and say, what about somebody who's a constant complainer? Someone who's always a warrior. We go down and say all the negativity of, of people because you're bent in a certain way. If you know you're bent in a certain way, God has to rebend you back in a, the way he wants you to go. How many of you guys would say you're a godly woman? You're a godly man. You're, you're those people who you want to set an example for others. You know people are watching you, so therefore you work extra hard that God might be glorified in your life. It takes something to overcome, something maybe that you're very good at that you have to overcome. God uses all kind of people. Amen? And we are those all kind of people. Now let's get back into the Lord. Watch what Paul does. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And this is a very spiritually gifted church, but very carnal church. If you ever see a church named Corinth, and we know we have one in town, we're not making fun of that church, but there's no way on the planet I'd name a church Corinth. That's the worst name. This is kind of the, most, the biggest insult that, uh, that when a church has used this name, uh, they were spiritually, uh, uh, they're very spiritual, but they were very spiritually immature in many ways. They're bragging about their spiritual gifts. They're not waiting at the Lord's Supper. Every time we do the Lord's Supper, I read from this chapter of chapter 11, because the church, they were coming together, and they were getting drunk at church. They were eating ahead of everybody, and some of them were drinking too much of the church wine before everybody got there, and, th- and there was nothing left for the poor people when everybody else gathered. It was crazy. There was some crazy stuff going on. So Paul is setting things in order, and I think he's writing to the church of Jesus Christ today, is he not? Because the church is crazy today. Would you agree with that? We've gone all kind of different ways. The church is still following Christ, but listen to what he says. He's going to transition. He's going to shift gears here now in second gear. Verse 12, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? The Gnostics were very much uh, building up around the Corinthian church. Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So church, here's the, here, that's the dilemma, would you agree? If we say there's no resurrection of the dead, we're making up that Christ raised from the dead, or that he made a really big exception. And if we say there's no resurrection of the dead, then... Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Paul's making an argument saying, think about what you're saying. Some of you are teaching in the church that there's no resurrection of the dead. That you just die and turn to dirt. That's it. You ever heard people talk about that? Yeah, it's, 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 listen, it's talked about today. You just die, it's over. There is no God. Uh, you just basically turn to dirt. Atheists are talking about this. Agnostics are going, there's a God, but you can't really know him. This is what this church is, is filled with all kind of different theology. Verse 14 and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. I mean, you've got a, a, a useless faith. Verse 15, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. 17, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they just perish. They've turned to dirt. 
If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. Pitiful. Excuse me, pitiful. uh, To be pitied, right? Because why? We lived a standard that we didn't go out and do all the party. We didn't go out and do all the things that the world did. We kind of lived in this life saying God has rules and we're to be pitied. Here we go. Let's continue. He's going to shift gears again, verse three, uh, chapter 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came resurrection of the dead. What is the man's, by man came death, what is he saying? He's taking us back to Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned against God. So Adam was the man who sinned and brought sin into the world. Therefore, every offspring of Adam and Eve, that's us, are sinners. But when God became flesh, when God came incarnate, when God became man, through that man Christ Jesus, he died on the cross to take away all of our sins. Do you understand the concept? First man, Adam, he brought sin into the world. Second Adam, that's what Jesus is oftentimes referenced as, he came into the world. He wasn't Adam, but that's just a name for him to understand that he was the man who brought about salvation. Paul continues, verse 23, but each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom, remember the kingdom he preached when he was here, to God the Father when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all the enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is what? What did your Bible say? Death. Verse 27. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he has, says all things are put under his feet, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Who's he talking about there? Who's not under the feet of Jesus? God the Father. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Verse 28, now when all things are made subject to him, that's Christ Jesus, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. We'll stop right there. Let's read. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have notes, I want you to get your notes because I want to get into something pretty quickly for you to actually mark in your Bibles. Look at your notes. We typically listen to when people of influence make a decision. Would you agree? Our declaration. This week, our Supreme Court made a declaration. I didn't know that was going to happen this week. They made a declaration. We don't agree with it, but what's what happens? Typically, a declaration changes the course of events or time, right? So events have changed now. Pro-abortion, the the Planned Parenthood, they're so excited that South Carolina is a welcoming, proper state now. We were a bunch of ignorant hillbillies back in the day, right, when we actually had, we were pro-life. Go back and read our old Constitution. We stood very clearly in the 1800s. For life, we, we said that everybody has an opportunity for life. We, we put it in our Constitution. But how we've changed through time because cultures change. And I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ has never changed. But a declaration was made this past week. We think of our Declaration of Independence. And I put a note in here. We don't often read it, but we refer to it when we ask, right? Why are we, why are we free today? Why do we celebrate July 4th? Because we've said we have declared that we are free from the King of England and we will do our own thing in our own states. Paul declares our declaration of dependence now here. This is important for us to read as we read 1 Corinthians. Our declaration of dependence through Jesus Christ so that God may be all in all. Big word. God may be exalted. That's what he's referencing there. We would do well to read, listen, and trust and obey the word of God. Would you agree with that statement? So with that said, let's get into the notes. I want you to see this. And I want you to do this in your Bible This is why it's important to bring your own copy of God's Word. Don't do it in the pew Bible or the seat in front of you. 
Uh, please don't do it because we'll do this on, a, on our own training. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible if you see me after church. Look at the notes for number one. Like the Apostle Paul, we preach the gospel. So what is the gospel? Simply, next verse, you'll see it next to the note, you'll see, is the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, how do you preach the gospel? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. You still are not exempt from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you take your Bible, don't you turn to Romans 3.23. Just go ahead and you hold your place. We're coming back to 1 Corinthians. Take your Bibles and turn to uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Some of you that knows this from memory verse from Moana and other places, I want to show you this is a starting point for you to actually share the gospel. How do we share the gospel? Well, we're going to show you. You should be able to leave church with something in your hand that's a tool that you can share the gospel because you say, I can't. As soon as you say, I can't, you're saying God can't. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, right? I told you that's in good times and bad times. So listen, Romans 3.23, when you're there, say amen. What does it say? It says, for all have what? sin and fall short of the glory of God. Who is that referring to? Circle the word A-L-L. That's important and underline sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's standard is super high, right? It's holy, and we can never make attain holiness because we're sinful people. Now, if you would do this, on the top of your Bible, if you have Romans 3.23, if you take your Bible and turn it completely upside down like you're going to show it to me, as if you're just turning your Bible around and you're looking at the bottom of your Bible, and I want you to look at the top of the Bible. So we're going to teach and preach a little bit this morning. I know it feels weird. Just trust me. If you have a pencil or a pen, I want you to write in your margin somewhere on the top so you're at the very very top of your Bible writing upside down. I'd like for you to write Romans 6.23 if you want to do this as a training tool. How do you share the gospel? Romans 6.23. So you're at Romans 3.23. You can circle all, underline sin, turn your Bible completely around, and then the margin somewhere at the very top, which is your bottom, you're going to write Romans 6.23. Now, turn your Bible back around to you like you would use it normally, and let's go over to Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? No, you misquoted it. Sorry. What is it? Read, it? read it for yourself. So the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? It's very important that you don't leave out Jesus. Never leave out Jesus. It is eternal life, the gift of, right? For the gift of God is eternal life in and through Christ Jesus our Lord, or, or Jesus Christ our Lord. Depends on what, how your translation says it. So don't forget that. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. As we, Paul tells us, as John tells us, he is resurrected. He's alive today. Well, if you're there, spin your Bible back around to me. Serve your Bible back around to me. Put it upside down. And in your margin, if you just write John 3.16, John 3.16, upside down. You're writing it right side up while you're looking at it. But as you turn it, what happens is this is a reference for you when you go back to do this. You go, where do we start? We started at Romans 3.23. If you start at Romans 3.23, I'm telling you, this is a way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm giving you a tool to walk out this place with, take your Bible, and share with somebody who needs the gospel. All right? The gospel is us telling people about sin, a Savior, a living Savior, amen, that, that died to take away your sins. Let's go to John 3, 16. Mark, you need to go there. You say, well, I have it memorized. Okay, that's good, but go there anyway. I want to show you if you're marking your Bible. John 3, 16 is very clear, and this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is very clear when he says, listen, I want to tell you something about God. He's talking to Nicodemus because Nicodemus says, well, Jesus, we know that you're from God from all the miracles you're doing. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you must be born again. Well, he just stopped the conversation. Nicodemus asked this sarcastic question, how can I be born again? And Jesus says, listen, 
He said, can I go back into my mother's womb, which was absolutely a, a disgusting, sarcastic thing to say, and even think about. Jesus said, I'm trying to tell you something spiritual. And you're a leader of the Jews, and you don't understand this. But look at John 3, 16, when Jesus speaks to him. He says, listen, for God so loved who? The world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in Jesus shall not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So underline everlasting life. And underline perish, because that's very important, because sin leads us to perishing in hell. If you never profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will die and you will go to hell, according to the Scriptures. Amen? You can amen any time that you know there's a truth being told, right? John 3.16 says that. So take your Bible and, take, and turn it back around, feed it back to me, show it to me. And if you would write it at the top of your margin, which is actually at the very, you're writing it upside down at the bottom, facing you, write simply this, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, excuse me, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10. i got to get my verses. Let me get my, I wrote it down here. I'm, here we are, Romans 10. Sorry, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's it, sorry. Now let's go there. Turn your Bible around, let's take off. This is our last passage we're going to go to. And there's a key verse, there's three key verses here. Here's what I'd like to do, because this morning as we study the resurrected Jesus, we need to know what Paul's saying. I'm preaching to you the gospel, and this is the gospel. So sometimes we walk out of church going, what is the gospel? It's just good news. All right? It is good news, but it's the good news of Jesus Christ. So in Romans 10, verse 9, what does it say? There's, there's, a, there's a clarifying statement there, right? What's the first word? Some of your Bibles might say that for, if, and it, what are we doing? You're confessing with what? Everybody, I know this is elementary. The children have left the building, but take your finger like this and point to your mouth. This is how simple God made the gospel, that if we would simply tell the gospel, or we would repeat that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, first he draws us to himself, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, and we believe where? It's not our bloody muscle, right? But it's when little kids say, do you love grandma? And they say, yeah, with all my heart. They're saying, with everything that's me, I love grandma. And that's what Paul's talking about there. It's not your heart heart, your bloody heart, your muscle heart there. He's talking about with all my being, with all my soul, you got to confess Jesus and believe on his name, that he died for you, that he really died, that he really was buried as Paul preached, that he really was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead. Because watch what happens. Paul goes on further to say, if we say this, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, what's going to happen to you, my brother, my sister? You're going to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin. Saved from hell. Even saved, really, from yourself. Because you've been set apart now. Because God has done his work of drawing you. You recognize Jesus died on the cross. You go, I don't fully understand it because I wasn't there. Newsflash, neither was I. But didn't, didn't the Lord Jesus tell, you'll see in John, we'll get there if you stay with us. Remember old Thomas says, I won't believe unless I touch the holes in his hands and see the hole in his side. And Jesus said, listen, Thomas, touch me. Look. And he shows him. And Thomas says, Lord, my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus said, it's better. Listen, you believe. You're saved. It's, but it's better for those who have never seen and yet believe. That's you and me. Jesus was talking about you and me today. Those who had never physically seen him, but yet we believe. And listen, do you believe today? If you confess him with your mouth as Lord and Savior, and you believe with all your heart that God has raised from the dead, Jesus, through the power of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, you shall be saved. Somebody's like, yeah, that's a good place for me. Thank you, agent. You can skip 11 and 12. Go over to 13. What does it say? 
This is, this is where people say, well, the, God has chosen a certain number of people to go to heaven, and God has chosen a certain number of people to go to hell. Who's going to hell today because God chose you to go to hell? Well, let me tell you this. Who's going to heaven because God chose you to go to heaven? Only those going to heaven, right? Listen, God has chosen. He said he would that all men would be saved. But what does verse 13 say? It's very important. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's future tense, right? We'll be saved. There's something going to happen. If you believe this, you confess this, and you call out to him, say, Lord, save my sorry soul. Save me from my sins. And Jesus, remember, go back, just reflect for a moment. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, that means I've confessed him with my mouth. I believe that he died for my sins. If I ask him to come into my heart and life because he's drawn me to himself, because listen, down at the beer joint, they're not drawing you to Jesus Christ. Amen? Budweiser don't draw you one step closer to Jesus, the end. Now you'll see him one day if you die from it, right? Because he's going to be your judge. Everybody's going to see God one day. Did you know that? The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That's what Paul says. That's what the Bible says. Everyone's going to face that. So my friends and my brothers this morning, all of us, no matter what age you were, I was on that path of destruction. I was headed away to, of sin. And yet Jesus, God, God came to me through the power of the Holy Spirit and said, listen, you've got to turn from this. But he didn't just say turn from it. It was an audible voice. It wasn't like a football play. Blue 42, blue 42, give your heart to Jesus. It wasn't anything like that. It was very simply that hearing the word of God preached, being taught as a child how the scriptures, that's why it's important to teach them the scriptures when they're little. And the Bible says, listen, all things, train up a child the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. We've had people leave our church because I quoted that scripture, and I actually believe that proverb, that if you train a child the way they should go, they might stray, but when they're old, listen, the way they're bent, they'll come back around to those things that you taught them early on. They'll sing, oh, how I love Jesus. They'll, they'll remember those memory verses. They'll stray for a little bit, but listen, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ will sweep them right back in to the fold. I don't believe they're guaranteed a, a salvation spot. Listen, I surely don't believe that. But I believe they'll come back around to what they believe. You say, well, that, isn't that salvation? That's between them and the Lord, right? Because you can do right. Y'all know moral people who live good lives? They're just good people. They got a couple of hiccups here and there, but they're good people. I know a lot of lost people that are good people, but they're not going to heaven because they won't, and they will not accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. They will not apologize. They will not say, I'm sorry, God, for my sins. Paul says this is the good news. Well, get back, if you would, go back to Then you're finished. After verse 13, listen, verse 17 is very clear. What happens if I read the Word of God? Faith comes how? And hearing by the word of God. The very thing that you have in your hand, you must commit to memorizing and also using as a tool. That is your, your Bible should get raggedy and raggedy, more raggedy every year because of its use. Most of your Bibles probably, if you come to our church for a period of time, right now it's falling up, open to the book of John. Is your Bible, my Bible is starting to, it's, it's almost will find its own way to the book of John. It's fighting with the book of Acts because we were there so long. So my Bible flip-flops back from Acts to, to John. It's telling me where we've been. Your heart tells you where you've been as well. So we're there. When you share that good news, here's the last thing you want to ask someone today. Would you like to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ? That's the point. I feel like I'm selling shoes. I feel like I'm selling a car. Well, you need to get over yourself. You're, you're not selling anything. You're showing one beggar, right? One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Watch this. Everybody just say that to me. Just ask me as if I'm completely lost as a ball in the woods. You've shared these scriptures with me. Now ask me, everyone ask me, 
if I'd like to give my heart to Jesus Christ. That's how simple it is of asking someone to be saved. If God's led you to that person, he's already worked in their heart. He sent you to them because he's got them ready. They're race day ready. They're ready to run their race. They don't know it. They've got the shoes bought for them. Their size are fit. Their outfit's ready. God has their race planned out before them. You simply got to go be the witness of Jesus Christ to that person. You say, but I'm nervous. Don't be. Listen, it's God doing the work. You didn't save yourself, and you can't save another human on the planet. You must do the work while it's day. You must do the assignment Ephesians 2.10 says you're supposed to do. You and I have a responsibility before holy God to fulfill what he's called us to do. Go to your notes really quick if I can fill these in for you. The gospel. What is the gospel? Verses 3 through 5 there in 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, that's your tool. You marked it. You can actually use it. Verses 3 through 5 says the gospel is good news that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And the third day, according to the scriptures, he's alive today forevermore. This was a bodily resurrection. Some people say, oh, yeah, he rose spiritually, just floated through the woods like a ghost. He popped in rooms and popped out, popped in, popped out. He ate with them. A ghost does not eat. And by the way, there's only the Holy Ghost, right? There's demonic spirits. He ate with them. He spoke with them. He ate fish on two different occasions. He was at the beach with them, and we'll see in just a little bit. He spent time with them. He physically was raised from the grave. He physically rose. Bodily resurrection is important. If someone says, yeah, I believe Jesus spiritually raised from the dead, they're wrong. You must believe that he's alive forevermore today. And when we get to heaven, guess who we're going to see? King Jesus. Somebody says, well, I want to see the Father. i got news for you. You'll never see the Father. Because the Bible says the Father is what? God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Somebody says, I want to see the Holy Spirit when I get to heaven. You won't ever see him. Ever. But here's who you will see. The full embodiment. The very expression of God the Father. The very expression of the Spirit. You'll see Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you. When you're, when you're sanctified and in heaven, that'll be enough. Don't let your curiosity run wild. What does the Father look like? Everybody thinks there's an old man sitting there like some kind of Lord of the Rings guy, right, up there complaining. That's not who he is. We look at Revelation, as Mike read this morning. Listen, he's the king of kings. He's the king of glory. Hey, listen, there's nothing that's not under his authority. There is nothing that can overcome uh, King Jesus. Now, we still celebrate the Father because you're going to see. He says when Jesus has submitted everything under his authority, then Jesus will submit to the Father and say, here it is. And forevermore we'll live with him. What a glorious day that's going to be. Let me give you your notes so you can take these as well. God's demonstrated his absolute, I don't know why I put absolute, absolute sovereignty over life and death when he raised Jesus from the dead. His, amen. Again, bodily resurrection. He raised him physically from the dead. He had the new body, the resurrected body, that could eat, that could walk through walls, as it were. Uh, he could actually ascend to the Father. You say, well, did he have wings? No, he's walking. They recognize it as Jesus. But then when John sees him, and if you keep reading Revelation, John sees him, and John is blown away by what he sees. The prophets of old got to look into the future. They saw what he looks like, and they fell down as dead men because of his holiness. But these men that worked with him and walked with him, they knew who he was. Verses 6 through 11 tells us clearly the resurrection of Jesus, of Christ, uh, uh, the resurrected Jesus as eyewitness by hundreds, and I should say of, put that in there, of people, provides irrefutable proof that he is the Savior of the world. Over 500 people saw Jesus Christ alive. That's more than it's in here at the church today. What if somebody says, well, I saw the pastor fall out. I like to brag at home with Wendy. I'll say, you know, I can't do that because I had a heart attack. 
She's like, stop using that as an excuse. I said, I'm always going to have that. I wish I had one when I was 20 so I could use it my whole life. But listen, if I dropped dead of a heart attack right now and the newspaper came and said, what happened? What would you say? He grabbed his chest and <clears throat> took a deep breath and tumbled down the steps, right? And he was gone, right? Like a bird set free, he was gone, right? Somebody, everybody would have different descriptions. I saw him, I saw him sneeze. I saw him touch his face. I saw, I saw it might have been a bullet from the baptism, right? I saw, I saw something. No, nobody knows what it was, but we'll have a story to tell, but we saw me die, right? You saw it happen. There's less than 500 people here today. Would a court of law accept, if, would they accept your word today that you as people at Town Creek, whether you're a guest or member alike, that you saw the pastor die on that Sunday? You saw him fall at least. And somebody who's in the medical personnel is pumping my chest, and they're like, he's dead. He's dead. And where do we go throughout the church? He's dead. Right? Would you doubt anyone, somebody next Sunday when you said, hey, what happened to Town Creek last week? <laughs> the pastor just fell off the stage and died. Right? You're like, no. Who would believe you? Would your friends believe you? I, otherwise, you're a liar. I mean, I wouldn't believe you if you're my friend, right? Or your family, would you go home and tell You won't believe. You shouldn't have been to church today. The pastor died. He, he tumbled down the steps, flipped out, grabbed his chest. He's, he's gone. We've got we to start a pastor church committee right away. Right? Everybody would have a different perspective. Some people would be like, <laughs> the pastor died. Yeah. So, Here's the point. We all would have a story, maybe a little bit different, but the facts would remain that the pastor died on Sunday, right? Yes? 500 people from the congregation throughout town said, we saw Jesus alive. That's more than double what's in here today. Would you believe them? We read that and go, ah, 500. 500 people. That's larger than most churches in South Carolina. 500 people saw Jesus alive. So we celebrate going, listen, they saw him, they saw his body. They saw him speak. Some of them heard him speak and saw him eat. The resurrection of Christ is fundamental to our Christian faith. We serve a living Savior, amen? He's alive forevermore, according to what Scripture teaches. Paul made it clear, if Jesus Christ is not resurrected, then we have no hope, we have no Savior, we have no salvation, and we have no hope of eternal life. What hopeless people are we if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? God raised him from the dead, I should say. And even before he died, Jesus said in John 11, if you've been with us, you read this. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, which is to adhere to, trust in, relies on me as Savior, will live even if he dies. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? And everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said, Lord, I know that you're in the, in the future. He was talking about the present because he, he was just about to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's amazing to think about then that he was, he was prophesying, saying, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Believe in me. You're going to have eternal life if you believe in me. Our resurrected Jesus, according to your notes, was and is part of God's ultimate victory plan. This was all part of God's plan. It's happening just the way God planned for it to happen. This is his will that's happening for us today. And lastly, we have hope of eternity, and we have the wisdom of God, knowing he will be exalted when all things are subject to Jesus. To God be the glory. Amen. Jesus said, listen, look at that last verse Paul writes, verse 28 there. Now, when all things are made subject to Jesus, then Jesus himself will also be subject to God the Father and put all things under him, who put all things under him, that God the Father may be all in all, that God the Father may be exalted. 
lifted up on high. And that way we will live forevermore. Y'all, have you thought about heaven? As Kristen talked about eternal life, as Mike talked about a glimpse into heaven, have we looked and thought just for a moment forever and ever with God in his kingdom? Not just in heaven. We're not just going to float in heaven. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to work, but there'll be a king. And the king on the throne, who's it going to be? King Jesus. But also be the Father. Also be the Spirit. Remember Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough. And Jesus said, Philip, have I not been with you long enough that you've not known me? I am. When you see Jesus, he's, Hebrews says he's the expressed image of the Father. So when you see Jesus, Jesus is God. Amen? All right. Listen, today, have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Watch this. Have you given your heart to life, life to Jesus Christ? That's the good news. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Only you and Jesus know. So if not, why not? You say, well, I feel guilty sometimes when you say that. That's good. If you were lost and didn't care, you wouldn't care. Amen? Like I told you, I don't preach against fairies and Barney and other mythical creatures because I don't believe in them. So I don't spend one moment talking about them. Amen? But I believe in the resurrected Lord. I'll preach till I fall off the stage and die. Watch me fall off the stage and die. That would just be the Lord's sense of humor with me. I hope it ain't soon. But if it does, laugh as loud as you want to. Cry and laugh if you want to. But listen, I know that I know that I know that I've given my life to Jesus Christ. To be absent from this old sorry body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? If you don't know today and you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to come at the invitation and say, hey, listen, I just want to give my life to Jesus. It's that simple. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I want him to own me. I want to be a part of his kingdom. And it's that simple. That's what I did. That's what everyone's been saved saying. I, I just want to surrender because I'm tired of fighting. I want to give up and give it all to Jesus. And he'll take it and he'll send you right back out and go be his disciple. Amen? And if you're a Christian today, you never fall through believer's baptism. Listen, he commands you to do that. Be baptized. Make disciples. Be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be baptized. By immersion. Listen, every, every, every baptism in the Bible is by immersion. Every single one. All right, listen. And then he says to teach. We're having these classes. We don't have them just to have them. We don't have them because the power is turned on. We have them so that you might be equipped to go change your world for Jesus Christ. Who would have known if you might have went to high school with one of the Supreme Court justices? Who would have known if you might have went to college with them and you could have influence for Jesus Christ or that person? So when they know every time I speak, I'm going to speak on behalf of the God, the Father. When he chooses life, I'm choosing life. No matter what the law says, how it says, that law is either legal or illegal. Those men made a choice, and we make a choice every day. We say, oh, those people. But it's, look, look in the mirror. It's us people. Amen? All right. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, how you know exactly what our hearts are longing for. And, Lord, really and truly, every single human, Lord, cries in our heart for knowing you and loving you and living for you. And Father, today, would you just help us because that, it's really that first step. You've already done everything necessary. You've died on the cross for our sins. You've been raised from the dead for our sins to show us the power of resurrection that God has over death. And all you do today is invite us to give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ if only we would believe. Even in believing, Lord, you give us the ability to believe. You've done everything for us. All we have to do is accept that free gift and walk in faith. Lord, help someone today that's furthest from you, that they would make that step. And Father, someone that's never fallen through believer's baptism, Lord, let them say, yes, I want to do that. No matter how old I am, 
I want to follow him. And Lord, help us to be, get in the tool shed and get the tools used in catalysts and other opportunities in our own word of God that we might be more and more like you. We pray these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus for his sake. Amen. This invitation is for you. We'll be here for you today. You come if you want to give your heart life to Jesus Christ. If you need to pray, altar is open. If you want to be baptized, you never have been baptized after you've been saved, let us know. Come and tell us. We'll actually draw the waters, get them warm for you so we can actually see you be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. You come this morning. The Savior is waiting to church if you would be seated our celebrity administrator is back on campus all the way from Iowa uh, Derek if you dismiss us today listen go and share the gospel if you want the notes you didn't get a, you didn't bring your personal Bible today or you need a Bible we'll sit down with the evangelism plan we're gonna be talking about it again tonight and when we start the journey it's 13 weeks of how to be the one-on-ones of, of salvation the one-on-ones of being, being a disciple of Jesus Christ Probably the first time I've ever been introduced as a celebrity. So, <laughs> and, and just so y'all know, if Pastor does ever have a heart attack and die and fall down the stairs, Mike and I do have specific instructions if that were to occur, okay? 
So I will be running up here to drag him off to the side, and Mike will just continue preaching. Okay? So, so if y'all ever see that happen, just know that's, that's what we will be doing right afterwards. So, so, so yeah, I am not kidding. Not, not at all. Not, not, that, that has come up in a staff meeting. So, yes. So, well, hey, I'm going to cover, I'm going to handle y'all's lunch conversations for you today. Okay? So I've had kind of a rough month. And I will get through this. Three, okay. Hmm. And this came up several times today um, throughout the sermon. But the thing I want y'all to do today is make sure that you know, that you know, that you know. I was able to do that with my dad. So I know, okay? That he was saved at 18, actually at basic training in Fort Leonard Wood. So an army chaplain that answered the call to go did his job, okay? And that's why I know today my dad's in heaven. So I have that conversation today at lunch, husbands and wives, that you know each other's story. Children, you know your mom and dad's story, okay? So when you pass, that story doesn't pass with you, okay? That's my prayer today for all of you, so I'll pray for the offering now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today, Lord, for for everything that you are, Lord, and just all that you mean to me and hopefully everyone here today, Lord. I just pray that, that you would use each and every one of us, Lord, to to spread your message. To just get your word out there, Lord, just to, to make sure that everybody that we know and love, that we know, Lord, that, that they know exactly where they're going, that we have had that conversation, we've shared that story with them, Lord, and that all of us can just celebrate and rejoice in that knowing together. And I pray, Lord, that, that you just continue to use the gifts that are given here at Town Creek to allow people to get out and just share that incredible story, Lord, with with everybody around them, whether it's at lunch today with their neighbor this afternoon or, Lord, whether they pack their bags and go. I just pray that you continue, Lord, to, to bless all of us here at Town Creek and just give us that opportunity to share your message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Derek. I'll stand as we sing our way out today.
Go to lunch. Have those conversations.